Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, what we've been talking about is, uh, during our study of the fruits of the Spirit, um, is we're talking about first kind of using these fruits in this study on the fruits of the Spirit uh, as an opportunity for introspection. Uh, that is to kind of do the difficult work of looking into our own lives and saying, do we see the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives? And it's important to remember as we do that, that these are not just a list of things that we're supposed to be striving toward, uh, as though we could conjure them up on our own. And maybe to some degree we could do that. Uh, but rather the fruit of the Spirit are, are meant to be a description of the things that are made manifest in our lives as we cultivate a relationship with God. And so the point of, of studying these and looking uh, introspectively is not to lay guilt upon us, but rather to motivate us to, to connect more with God. But we're also studying the fruit of the Spirit for the purposes of discernment, that we live in a pretty noisy world, and we need uh, a way of discernment so that we can kind of discern what is right and good and true in a world that is so noisy. Uh, and I believe strongly that kind of studying these fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, can help us in that work of discernment. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about two fruits, the kindness and goodness. Uh, now, right at the beginning, if kindness and goodness are fruit of the Spirit of God, uh, it goes so much to say that God is both kind and good. Uh, now, the word good here could also be uh, translated as generosity, uh, which is to say that God is kind and God is generous. Now, it would seem that these two confessions are anything but controversial. However, few claims are met with more questions or more doubts or more awkward side-eye <laughs> than these two confessions, that God is good and God is kind. And there's probably lots of reasons why people have a hard time swallowing these claims about God. But what cannot be denied is that part of the reason for the difficulty is it because they don't see this, these fruit in the lives of Christians, the people of God. And that ought to be a challenge to us. Now, there's this important little uh, New Testament book called Titus. Uh, if you flip through your Bibles, you're likely to miss it. Uh, it's right after 2 Timothy, but this, this book of Titus is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to his young partner in ministry named Titus. And Titus was tasked with this, the important ministry of helping Christians on the island of Crete. And specifically, he wanted to help them discover what it means to follow Jesus while also participating in the life and culture of the island of Crete. Now here's what you know, need to know about Crete. Uh, Crete was known in the ancient world as being a place of treachery, of violence, and of even sexual corruption, where lying was so, so prevalent. In fact, the Greek word uh, for liar is kretizo, which means to be a Cretan. <laughs> Wow, right? <laughs> like, that's pretty in your face. Uh, but the goal, as, as Titus, uh, as Paul was instructing Titus to help the Christians in the island of Crete, uh, to, to demonstrate a new way of life, the goal was not to set themselves apart just by going to war against the culture. 
right? Maybe you've heard that approach before, this, this culture war approach. The goal was not to do that, but neither were they to just fully assimilate into culture so that there was no difference between the Christians and the Cretans, right? And so what Titus does, and what Paul's instructing Titus to do, is to invite them into a faithful participation in the culture. A faithful participation in the culture. And so Paul's main, main encouragement to Titus is essentially this. Tell the Christians there that the best way to be faithful witnesses is to demonstrate a new way to be human, but to do that while participating in the culture around you. Don't go to war against the culture. Don't fully assimilate in the culture, but rather participate in culture and embody a new way of being human. This is the approach that Paul tells Titus uh, to take and to teach to the Christians in Crete. Now, so in other words, to show them a new humanity. So thus, Paul gives some uh, kind of closing instructions in Titus chapter 3, and that's where I want to be this morning. Titus chapter 3, the first seven verses. Uh, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Uh, and it says this, Remind them, that is the Christians on the island of Crete, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various pleasures and passions, passing our days with malice and envy, despicable and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. For through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit He poured out on us richly through the Jesus our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I want to hone in on these kind of initial instructions that he gives uh, as, he, as he's closing out his letter to Titus uh, in the first few verses. And as always, these instructions have a theological foundation. It's not as though Paul was trying to come up with some rules that Christians should follow and being kind was among them. Uh, we shouldn't think that way. That's far too shallow of thinking. The reason that we are to act in a particular way is because of who God is and what God has done. That God is the initiator and we are the responders, right? And I think that's so important for us to get and to understand that in our lives, God is the initiator. So anytime there's instruction or theological reflection, it's our response to the goodness of God and what God has done in Christ. And so, so essentially, it's, there's, there's this call to be kind and obedient and subject to authorities and all of these things. But for Paul, this is not just this empty list of things to do or things that are just a, simply a good idea. Paul is saying you are to act in these ways because of what God has done. So we're called to embody the kindness and goodness of God because of the salvation that we have received in Christ Jesus. Now, the, the, uh, it's been a while since I've quoted N.T. Wright, so here we go. N.T. Wright says this, The reason we are summoned to avoid speaking evil of people, to not be quarrelsome, and so on, is that we are 
are ourselves creatures of God's generous love. And we aren't showing that, if we aren't showing that same generous, kindly, forgiving love, then we have obviously forgotten the path by which we have come. And that's good. Now, so for Paul, it's, these instructions are couched in this reality of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And then he offers us this beautiful poetic explanation of what it is that God has done for us. In other words, he summarizes the gospel and provides for us the basis, the, the result, the means, and the hope of our salvation. And he's doing all of this as a way of illustrating the kindness and the goodness of God that has been offered to us. And so let me quickly just kind of recapture the, the, the point that Paul is making in this beautiful poetic expression of the gospel. He begins by saying the basis of our salvation is the mercy of God. That by the mercy of God, uh, we have been saved. That it isn't anything that we have done that has proven us better than anyone else. It isn't that we have any more inherent value than anyone else. You see, what God is doing is he is rejecting wholesale all the ways in which we tend to create hierarchies of value in our cultures. You with me? We tend to create these hierarchies of value based on any number of metrics. God wholesale is rejecting those, and he's saying, I have offered you redemption based on mercy alone. That none of us have done anything that would, that would elevate us above another person. And so out of mercy, God has offered rescue and redemption to all. So the basis is mercy. The result then is having received God's mercy, we are then reconciled to God. And the way in which the scriptures often talk about this reconciliation to God is a rebirth or a renewal. That, that we are in a sense born again. Paul will sometimes say that we ourselves are made into little new creations. That just as God has in store for us all of new creations, so that work begins in you and I who are reborn or made into new creations as we commit ourselves to following in the ways of Jesus. And so the, the basis is mercy, the result is rebirth or renewal. The means is through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ that lives in us and among us. The very reason that we write, light the Christ candle is to say that in our gathering today, at this moment, in this sanctuary, and in your homes, the Spirit of God is present and at work. And so this active and moving of the Spirit, the means by which we are brought into salvation, of, by, salvation in Christ. And so the Spirit brings us to the point of conviction where we recognize our need for mercy. The Spirit cleanses, of, cleanses us of our sin and then empowers us for right living so that we might live into the reality of which is true of us that you are a new creation in Christ. Right? And isn't the, the process of discipleship learning to live more and more into that reality? We are made new in Christ. We are new creations in Christ. We don't always act like it, but in fact we are. And so the process of this Christian discipleship is learning to live more and more according to the truth of who we are in Christ. Amen? And that is brought about by the Spirit. Now the hope then is eternal life. 
that all of, us, all of this leads us to an unwavering hope. Hope that we will live eternally with Christ. Hope that one day all things will be made new. When in the confidence that God in Christ has done all of this because of his kindness and his goodness. He saw our condition of brokenness. He entered into that condition so that he might rescue us from it. We began the service by saying, I greet you in the name of Christ, who out of kindness and goodness has called creation into being, demonstrated the ways of the kingdom of God, and offered us life through his death and resurrection. This is no accident that we begin our service this way, because this is essentially the main point of the poem in Titus. And so, out of the kindness and goodness of God, Essentially, then, what Paul says is having then been beneficiaries of this kindness and this goodness of God, Paul says that believers in Christ ought to embody these same traits. That when we are brought into redemption by a God who is good and a God who is generous and kind, the fruit of that redemption is not that we are then ugly and mean. <laughs> So the chapter begins with specific instructions. Be subject to authorities. Don't slander anyone. Be peaceable and considerate. Be gentle with everyone. Now remember the goal of the Christians living in Crete was to live as new humanity, to resist the extreme of culture war while also resisting the other extreme of cultural assimilation, but rather to live as new humanity in the midst of culture. How, what are some great tools for how we might do that? How might we live as new humanity while living inside of a culture that may be running amok and going, kind of going against the ways of the gospel in a lot of ways, Paul's instructions to Titus are be gentle, be peaceable, be considerate, don't slander, and unless it conflicts with the government of God, be subject to the authorities. For this forms the basis of our witness to Christ. You with me? This forms the, the foundation, the groundwork. This lays the groundwork for any witness to Christ. If you are kind or peaceable or considerate, then guess what? Your witness to Christ will not have any integrity. Now, what's more interesting then is, is that these instructions are for how Christians are to treat those outside of the faith. Outsiders. Chapter 2 of Titus is largely about how to treat and interact uh, with those who are inside the community of faith. Then there's this transition of how then are we to take this, this new humanity that we are practicing in and amongst ourselves, right? Why is church so valuable and necessary? Because it gives us opportunities to practice new creation in and amongst ourselves. Do not be tricked in this time of pandemic that online worship is a substitute for, for, for church. And I'll look at the camera, right? Those of you at home, we honor, we respect, we validate your decision to worship from home in these days. But do not be tricked. The convenience of online worship is no substitute for involvement in a community of Christ. Because involvement in the community of Christ puts us in proximity and in relationship with people whom we may not choose to be in proximity or relationship with. 
And in so doing, we then have the opportunity to practice the new creation that is at birth in us. But then there's this transition in Titus chapter 3, which shifts then of after having practiced this new creation, this new humanity in and amongst ourselves, in the faith community, how then are we to go and practice this new humanity to everyone out there, right? And so it shifts from how do we talk about our relationship amongst one another to how do we talk about our relationships with people who are not yet part of the community of faith. And so in other words, what this passage is really calling us to do is to be kind to those who are not like you, who are not like us, who do not see the world as you see it, who do not dress in the same ways as you do, who do not share your hobbies. This passage is calling us to be kind to those who are not like ourselves, who have a different political persuasion, maybe our unbelieving neighbors, immigrants, people of different tradition, culture, or skin color. All of these things are an invitation to be kind and good based on the goodness of God to those who are not like us. Amen? So let me say to you today, church, resist the temptation to reduce another human being down to their difference from you. Reduce the temptation to reduce another human being down to their difference from you. Whatever that may be, whatever that difference may be. And instead, see the full person, the whole person, and show kindness to them based on the goodness of God. Amen? Now, I want to take a look at our painting this morning. We are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit in partnership with Christos Collective out of Denver. And this series of, these series of paintings are all collaborative works from nine different artists, each of the nine artists working on each of the paintings. And I want to draw our attention to this painting on goodness. And I was looking at this and reflecting on this. And I don't have a lot to say, but I was just simply reminded by looking at this that when we live according to the goodness and the kindness of God, it brings life in every direction. That the goodness of God and the kindness of God brings life in every direction. And the last thing I want to say is this. When we confess Jesus as Lord, how we act toward others reveals what we believe about God. Amen. That is to say, it quite literally shows people what kind of God we believe in. If all of our time is spent angrily calling out this or that or excluding them because of that, then all of that communicates something about the God that we serve. It points people to the character of the God that we worship. And so let us be careful and conscientious to make sure the ways in which we are treating other people is revealing the God who is revealed to us in Jesus. Let's make sure that we are showing the world the kind and loving God revealed to us in Jesus the Christ, the one who is hospitable, who honors our humanity, even while calling us to give up lives lived in sin. This is not like the call to goodness and kindness to people that are not like ourselves is not this call to just say to be like just okay with everything, right? Sometimes it's misunderstood as that. But rather to follow the model of Jesus who is always hospitable, always kind, even 
while inviting us to live and, and to come out of our lives of sin. The Greek word translated kindness literally means tender concern for others. Tender concern for others. How easy it is to practice this with individuals and how difficult it is to practice this with groups. In other words, we may be interacting with an individual from a group that we tend to demonize and we will be kind, but how quickly we demonize just wholesale groups of people, right? Oh, the whatever. And it may be a lifestyle, it may be a political persuasion, it may be whatever, and we just like kind of write them off. We demonize them. What would it be like to show tender concern for others followed by and modeled after the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So may our witness show that God has tender concern for others and may we not forget the path by which we have come. Amen? Amen. Let's say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your presence in and among us today. We're thankful that you are right here in our midst, moving and, and shaping us more into your likeness so that we might, because of the goodness and kindness we have received in redemption in Christ, we may also show goodness and kindness in the world. Lord, help us. And may it be so in our lives. Amen and amen.